prayer, specifically the Our Father part uh, for next week. So if you're a parent of a True Vine Whist person, child, we'd love for you to do that. If you're here for the first time, we want to welcome you. If you're visiting us for the second time, we want to welcome you again. Um, and, and we're glad and thrilled that you are here. My name is Luis. I'm the campus pastor here. Earlier you saw Jim, and he's the, the pastor for both of our campuses, uh, the lead pastor. And it's good to see you guys. It's good that it's Sunday. So, uh, uh, amen? All right, this thing is interactive here. So, so I always say preaching is a, uh, and, and receiving the word is a full contact sport. Amen? I, uh, I was reading, I think it's uh, C.H. Spurgeon, a great revivalist um, of the 19th century, um, an, an evangelist. He said to some degree, uh, the, the congregation, the congregation that understands the anointing of God pulls a sermon out of a preacher. You know, the Bible says that um, faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. Amen. And how, how many of us could, could stand to get a little bit more faith? Amen. All right. This is how this works. Amen. Amen. All right. So, um, yeah, I want to share some stuff with you guys this morning um, and then go right into it. So let me just pray real fast and then we'll, we'll get started. Jesus. Scriptures remind us that you are mighty in battle. And that you rebuke the enemy with your finger. Somebody say amen to that. And that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And that although we're engaged in warfare, the weapons of our warfare are not of this world. So today, Lord, I pray that we would be equipped to fight the heavenly wars with heavenly armor, with heavenly equipment and artillery. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you say this with me? Say, Jesus, anoint me today to receive what you have from me. No height, nor depth can take today what is mine. In Jesus' name. And I'll say the same. Say, Lord, anoint me to deliver your word afresh to your people. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right. So before I get started, I want I got I got good news for you guys. Um, so last week I announced um, that we had not gotten the permit for our annual carnival. Upwards of fourteen hundred people we got last year. We did it six times. Amen. Would you put your hands together for the Lord allowing that to happen six times? Amen. And, and people came to know the Lord. Some of you came to the church um, through that outreach. A lot of people uh, were, were engaged with Truvine as a result, but that door was closed. Uh, so we got back to the drawing board along with the advisory team, part of which you guys saw this morning when uh, Jim introduced us. Uh, and um, we said, well, what can we do? Let's, let's throw a block party, we said. And then you guys last week, 
One of the things you prayed for was a permit. You ready for this? Here's our permit. All right? All right? So put this in your calendar. Unless something else happens, August 29th, we're going to be having a block party here. And we're still trying to figure out the spirit of which we want to do it. It's the first one, so we don't want to take over the block. We kind of just want to uh, uh, engage with our neighbors and be a witness to our neighbors. So I'll probably have a couple of things going at the same time. Um, but uh, we want to be a blessing, right? And, uh, and a kind of conduit for people to come in and, hey, what are those people about, right? So we want to bless people. We'll, we'll feed people. Uh, we'll feed the neighbors. So we probably won't go all out this year, all right? But we want to lay a good foundation. We want to bless the neighbors. We want to be um, uh, just a good witness. As a, as a non-Philly native, I forgot something when I, uh, we thought about this as an advisory team. Um, and I went to the neighbors. I had to get all the signatures. I had 75% of the, um, of the block. I learned something that it, it could have taken weeks to get this permit, but if you go straight up to the MSB building on the ninth floor, they'll give you the permit on the same day. So if you want to have a block party um, for you guys, that's probably the best way to do it. That was a free tip. You don't have to pay me for that. Uh, you're welcome. As <laughs> um, I, I, I was getting one of my neighbors to sign it, the very first neighbor to sign it, he was like, heck yeah, man, I'll sign this like 100 times if I have to. He was like, I'd love to come out and just crack a beer. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But they prob- there probably is going to be some beer cracking at our block party. But we don't hide from the darkness, right? And we don't, not that beer drinking by itself, it's, it's, it's bad. Getting drunk, the scriptures reminds us that is bad, right? And we won't be taking part of that, but we will meet people where they're at, right? And um, we're not going to hide from that. But immediately, almost instantly, I was like, wait, oh, they have a completely different idea of what the block party is. And so I didn't grow, grow up with block parties. I only go to the block parties on Mars, and they have about eight every summer. Um, and it's, oh, I love it. I love that. I love it. I'm out there eating your food. And playing some spades, all right? Um, but it's, it's fun. So praise God for that, amen? All right. Um, and we'll be kind of talking about that more and more as the, as the summer rolls on. Uh, I'm going to be meeting with the principal over at Lawton School in, in the coming weeks. Um, can you guys give it up for Naziha real quick? Give it up for Naziha. I'll tell you why. Um, Naziha is our liaison with Lawton Elementary School. She has both of her kids that go there. She's a volunteer there, right? You don't, you're not on the payroll? You're on the payroll? They pay you with donuts or uh, number two pencils or anything? No? Uh, and she's, on, uh, she's a volunteer there. She's our liaison there. And um, she's managed to uh, help set up a, a meeting with the principal. And uh, we said to them, how can we partner with you and how can we bless you? Because we understand that um, there is an issue that talking about this Nehemiah thing, that part of the wall that is broken in Philadelphia is the Philadelphia school systems. So we can do a lot of yapping or we can do some cooperating and some partnering. And um, so I'm going to meet with the principal. Uh, Naziha facilitated this thing, which is our end of the year 
Lawton Elementary Teacher Appreciation Barbecue, which is going to happen next Friday, all right, um, June the 19th. And we need about five volunteers, all right? If you're interested and you have time during the day, specifically if you have kids that go to Lawton, this would be great. Uh, rock your True Vine shirt. If you don't have one, you can get one. Uh, we've got plenty of those left. Uh, but we want to bless the teachers because we understand that teaching is a hard job. A lot of times they're under-resourced. Um, and we know how our kids can be. Amen? All right. My kid doesn't go there, at least not yet. But I know your kids. Amen? All right. Cozy. I know your kids, right? Um, so if you're interested in that, I, I need about five people. Is there anybody here that can help with that? All right. Eric is one. Anybody know off the top of their head? We got Curvin. Robin, we got Robin. All right. So maybe about two more folks that can help us with this barbecue um, June the 19th. I'm not asking you to buy anything. I'm asking you to come and serve. We're going to buy everything. We're going to serve them. Uh, so if you're around, let's go ahead and do that. Amen? All right. Now I get to preach. All right, man. God is good, man. We are, if you're visiting for the first time, we are in the middle of a Nehemiah series. How many of you guys are still using these books? A couple of you guys still using these books? Um, we're in the middle, middle of a Nehemiah series. Um, Nehemiah was a cupbearer uh, to King Artaxerxes. Um, he was tasked by the Lord, and I'll be reminding you this probably every week, to, to help rebuild the walls outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the be beloved city of God and still is the beloved city of God who that was in shambles, right? And so they had become a reproach or a, a, the Bible uses this word byword, um, uh, a laughing stock of the nations around them because they were supposed to be God's people. But they were going through it. They were vulnerable. Things were happening. And... Um, God's people were in a pretty pitiful state, all right? Can anybody relate sometimes to that? So Nehemiah is tasked with rebuilding the walls around the city so that he can protect exactly what was in the city, the inhabitants and the temple of God. Last week, we talked about keeping the primary thing the primary thing and the secondary things secondary. The primary thing was not for him to build the wall around the city, if you can remember, we talked about this last week, but to reestablish proper worship of the one true God. The walls themselves took about probably 50 days to rebuild, but rebuilding the society took about 11 or so years because he asked for a leave of absence for about 12 years. You get it? to rebuild the hearts of people, to regain the trust of people, to re-evangelize some people, to, to energize people with hope once again, who had lost hope, who had been traumatized by being violated against, sinned against, who had lost trust in God because the peoples around them had, had raised up against them. Their morale was low. You get it? And Nehemiah comes and he re uh, establishes worship of the one true God. He, he re-inspires faith, hope, and love. He, he establishes uh, worship the way our worship ought to be. Three things that we hit last week, this is in, in form of review, is that we're not where we're at 
by accident. Amen? Can somebody say amen to that? All right? That whatever we do, we ought to do it for the glory of God. And three, that if we start building, we're going to start battling. Amen? And that's kind of where we pick up today. We talked a little bit about the enemy's tactics, that the enemy's tactics are fear, intimidation, ridicule, and discouragement. Amen? And I'll say this again, although uh, the enemy is a roaring lion, he ain't got no teeth. Amen? And all he can do is roar, right? That's not an original. I stole that from my old pastor. All right? Today, I want to I hit you with three things. And I want three reminders that while we're in the battle are important to get. Oh, buddy, can you hit me with the next uh, slide? All right. The, the three things I want to remind you of today is that many times the enemy will use those closest to us to discourage us. All right. I'll show you in the scriptures where we where I get that from. Number two is when battling the enemy, don't overlook the obvious. Amen. And number three is that God is great and that we do have something to fight for. Amen. All right. Let me read this. Go to the next uh, slide here, bud. Oh, nice. Meanwhile, the people in Judah, this is a uh, uh, Nehemiah 4.10, starting at verse 10. The people in Judah, somebody say Judah, said the strength of the laborers is giving out. And there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Somebody say naysayer. Also, our enemy said before they know it or see us and we'll be right there, we will be right there among them and we'll kill them and put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came to us and told us ten times over. Ten times over in, in the Jewish vernacular of the day, in the vocabulary of the day, just meant that they told them mad times. Not actually ten times. They just got tired of counting at ten. All right, somebody say mad times. Mad times. I know that's not Philly talk. That's New York talk, but that's all right. Mad, or North Jersey talk, mad times. All right? How would you say that in Philly? Anybody? Mad times. All right. And then they say, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Somebody say, don't be afraid. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each one to our work. First thing I want to remind you again is that many times the enemy will use the clo- those closest to us to discourage us. Hey, Luis, where do you get that from? All right, that verse 10. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, if you remember the story when I told the story, got the, got the board out here a couple of weeks ago, um, there was already a remnant a remnant means those who were left behind, those who were already there, all right, uh, uh, 
in Jerusalem, in and near Jerusalem, um, left from uh, the time that Ezra, about 144 years prior, had gotten the call to go and rebuild the second temple, Solomon's temple, right? And the construction of the temple ceased because the first time uh, during Ezra's time, Ezra and the people were caught up in red tape, political red tape, and uh, they were intimidated by those around them. Because anytime there is progress that happens, the people who are ruling the status quo does not want to concede any of that power, right? So Jerusalem was occupied. Ezra had full authority, yet forfeited the authority that he had due to fear, manipulation, red tape, etc., etc. So there were people that were left, and these are the people that uh, Nehemiah is talking about. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, those that were left, Nehemiah didn't bring people with them other than some builders, perhaps. There were already people that were settled, right, and living there. And he was coming, once he heard word that uh, the city was torn down, that the people were vulnerable, that shook his heart. He set his heart to, to, to praying, fasting, to weeping, to pause. This is how we said it here. It was a pause, process, and pray. Waited for his opportunity to come before the king. Four months later, he gets his opportunity, and the king sends him on his merry way with a visa, with timber, and everything else. But the people in Judah... say this yet, but whatever. The people in Judah were literally in bed with the people um, around them. Hey, Luis, where do you get that from? Well, if you look a little bit further on, oh, chapter 6, verse 17 says this about the people of Judah. Also in those days, the nobles of Judah so the leaders in Judah were sending many letters to Tobiah. Tobiah and Sambalot were the enemies of Nehemiah and the enemies of God, really, because they were trying to impede or stop the work of rebuilding the wall and ultimately rebuilding the city. And in those days, the nobles of Judah were sending many letters to Tobiah and replies from Tobiah kept coming to them. So they were exchanging correspondence. There were spies in the camp. The the Jews, the people of Judah, were supposed to be having an allegiance with Nehemiah because Nehemiah was there to restore their city. Remember, Nehemiah was not from Jerusalem. Nehemiah, where the story picks up, was from the citadel of Susa, and he served in the court of King Artaxerxes. He had only heard, growing up, stories of Jerusalem. He had only heard the stories of the people being delivered. In the, in the exodus. But he himself was not an inhabitant, did not grow up in Jerusalem. But these people had. And they had grown comfortable and they had developed allegiances, political allegiances and such with those around them. 
Judah were sending many letters to Tobias, and replies from Tobiah kept coming back to them. For many in Judah were under oath allegiances to him, since he was the son-in-law to, Sh- to Shechaniah, son of Ara. And his son, Jehonan, had married the daughter of Meshulam, son of Berechiah. Moreover, they kept reporting to me his good deeds and then telling him what I said, his good deeds, meaning Nehemiah, and Tobias sent letters to intimidate me. Right? You get caught up in all these Hebrew-sounding names, right? No, this is not Amish country. This is the Bible, right? And, And what's happening here is that the Jews had set their allegiance to the people that were around them. As Jews, the people of God, somebody say people of God, their primary allegiance was supposed to be to the one true God. Amen? Their primary allegiance was supposed to be to the one true God and to the leader that God had given them. In that moment, Nehemiah was the leader that God had given them. He had given him a vision. He had given them a strategy. But the people of Judah were operating under a spirit of self-preservation. You tracking with me? Okay? They're like, oh man, that's my cousin. If... Nehemiah succeeds at what he's going to do. My cousin is no longer going to be the head Puba Duke of Sandwiches. Some of you missed that. They're like, what was that? He's no longer going to have his post. He's no longer going to be connected. It took us years to make these connections. You get what I'm saying? This was more than just rebuilding some walls. This was reinstituting the will of God. In the city of Jerusalem. So the political system had to go down. The economic system had to go down. People needed to start treating people better. And we'll see that in a couple of weeks. Because people were taking advantage of people. The social uh, uh, systems needed to be reworked. Because those people, Tobias people, had no claim. And if you remember correctly, early on in Nehemiah... He said, you will not have claim to the city. You don't have proper rights to the city. I'm here to return us to our proper standing. And they were afraid. Are you with me? The people of Judah were operating under the spirit of self-preservation. The underlying spirit under the spirit of self-preservation is fear. What if? How will we dot, dot, dot? Have you ever asked yourself those questions? Are are you quiet because you're falling asleep on me or what? So the people of Judah operating under this spirit, right, 
of self-preservation. The spirit of self-preservation is not the spirit that the people of God operate under. Many of us operate under that spirit. And some parts of, of our lives we have handed over to God and we trust God in this area of our lives. And we do a really good job of compartmentalizing, right? And saying, well, oh, yeah, God, you can have this part. You know what? You can have a whole tenth of my finances. Amen. Hallelujah. You know what? I'll even write my name on the envelope. For many of us, that doesn't benefit us any because you have to give every year like $11,000. I mean, I don't make $110,000, you know, to tithe $11,000 in order for it to count. Whatever. You know what I'm saying. And so we operate under the spirit of self-preservation, like, who's going to have my back? I got to do me. I got to look after myself. I got to take care of myself. I am my provider. I am self-made. I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. But let me tell you, brother, let me tell you, sister, that is not the gospel. None of us are self-made. And whatever we attain, whatever we accomplish, whatever peace we get, we can't take with us when we go. I love this thing that uh, Dave Ramsey um, does. Dave Ramsey is this Christian guy who, who knows finances really well. I, I wish I had the discipline to really follow all his steps. Melissa and I took the class, and I, I'm looking forward to it. I'm like, sometimes I operate in the opposite spirit of self-preservation, just recklessness. Anybody else? All right, not God, all right? That's not the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to get there, and I'm going to get there in a little bit. Um, and he says, this course is not called Financial Security. He teaches a course called Financial Peace University. It's an eight-week course. He says, this is not Financial Security University. This is Financial Peace University because you can attain peace. Peace is one of the gifts of the Spirit, right? One of the fruit of the Spirit. Rather, security isn't, our only security is in God. Amen? And if we find security outside of that, you know, in the Bible they said this, they said, don't put your hope in men, don't put your hope in horses, as far as like military, he's talking about military terms there. You need to put your hope in God, the maker of heaven and earth. That's a spank in the tush for many of us. Amen? Kick in the rear end. Call it what you want. So the people of Judah were operating under the spirit of self-preservation. Say that, self-preservation. The opposite spirit of self-preservation is the spirit of self-denial. Some could say long-suffering. Brother and sister, that's what we're called to as believers. The moment that you said, yes, I will follow Jesus, that I said, yes, I will follow Jesus, there was a huge target on our backs. 
If nobody ever told you this and you've been walking with the Lord for a really long time, I'm sorry. When I used to get high, I had mad money. Somebody said mad money. Mad money for me who was getting high. It wasn't thousands and thousands. The moment I became a believer, I lost my job. My. No money. Bad. And very early on, I had to decide, okay, wait, is this what this is about? Right? Am I going to just follow God during the years of prosperity? Or am I a believer that's going to be grounded during the years of famine, during the time of famine? Now, there are some churches that will tell you that it is your right for God to prosper you abundantly. God wants to bless me. Without a doubt, the the, the scriptures tell me that. He says he's already blessed me with everything I need for life and godliness. Whether or not that translates into dollars and cents, that's up to him to determine. I feel like some of you um, have been watching a lot of Marvel, like uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And recently I watched like five episodes and one day had the twins while I was on paternity leave. And weird things happen there, but you're... you're, you're Your spiritual muscles are extending beyond yourself. Can you you see that picture? And you're actually growing roots, even as I'm saying this. I sense that some of you are growing some roots, even as I'm saying this. And you're starting to see this gospel stuff is starting to click. Okay? And you're going to grow, and you're growing. Because this is not the baby food. This is saying, hey, mature. This is a year of maturity for us. This is a year of leadership development for us as a church. We're going to need to bear the weight, be able to have the width and the breadth and the depth to bear the weight of what it takes to restore the walls of this city. I've been a part of many teams. And a lot of times folks will say, and they don't, folks don't like to hear this if you're a part of a team, that you, you're only as strong as your weakest link. Think about a chain, right? You're, you start pulling at it. There starts being some tension. There starts being some, right? Amen. And I believe that in every single one of us, right, if you're called to True Vine, if you're called to, to Wissanomi, that God's called you to be strong. That God's called you to the battle. And if he's called you to the battle, that he's going to equip your hands for the work and the battle. That we will not be swayed. That we will not be moved. That we will not be uh, a people that are confused by foreign gospels. Because far be it from me to teach you something that 
as, as far as I can understand with the limited training that I have, to say, hey, follow this and this not being proper doctrine. The reason why people get off track, the reason why, why, why churches go off track and then communities go off track and then uh, nations go off track is because there was a void of proper doctrine from the pulpit, in our case, from a mic stand, from a, from, from a music stand. Because orthodoxy ought to lead us to orthopraxis. Orthopraxis means correct practice. But a lot of times the church is in shambles, and we are in shambles now because we never heard correctly. It's not your fault. If you're a baby, it's not your fault. But as if you've been growing up in the church, yeah. Did you find your own food? To some degree, the Bible calls us to be uh, foragers and people that go out hunting for our own food to eat. means depending on God, being linked to the true vine. That's what happened with Nehemiah's people. They stopped reading uh, the scriptures out loud as they used to. They stopped preaching the word of God as they used to. And so little by little, folks grew further and further away from their orthopraxis, from the correct practice. To the point where the people of Judah had married the people of Tobiah and the people of Sambalot. And the people started operating under the spirit of self-preservation with an underlying spirit of fear. The opposite spirit, like I said already, of self-preservation is self-denial. And the underlying spirit to self-denial is faith, hope, and love. But you cannot muster your own energy to have enough faith, to have enough hope, have enough love. That can only happen by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? I might not even get to my other points. First thing, probably the only thing I'll hit you with today again, is that many times the enemy will use those closest to us to discourage us. Those people were supposed to be in Nehemiah's corner. I'll tell you a story. When I first got saved, um, about three months into it, I was like, well, if I'm going to be a Christian, I might as well know what I'm talking about. So in those days, and I've told this story before, is they had a plan, and, 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 and I hope this hits some of you. If you've been looking for a plan for, for Bible reading, is if you read three chapters a day and five on Sunday, you'll finish the entire Bible. Can, I had never read a Bible from the beginning to the end, let alone any other book. I, a lot of times I was lazy. I read the Cliff Notes. I don't know what kids these days read. Is, is that still a thing, Cliff Notes? You'd go to Barnes & Noble, or steal one from your friend, and 
Um, but I was like, well, if I'm going to be a Christian, I need to know what I'm talking about. So three-day and five-month Sunday, man, man, in those first days, I felt guilty for not reading the Bible when I missed it. I didn't know better. thought that God was a God with a big old whip that was keeping records of my wrongs and that I had just somehow disrespected God by missing our date together that day. Um, eventually I learned that, you know, the Lord's love for me doesn't change. He's not fickle like people. But the reason why I read the Bible was not for God, that was for me. That was for me to develop my own spiritual muscles and, and start believing truth and start writing wrongs that I believed being able to share the love of Christ with others, people that I knew all around me that were straight up going to hell. And I was really zealous at the beginning. And I started, you know, like making phone calls, calling all people I used to get high with. Like, man, you need to get saved. You need to get saved, bro. I lost a lot of friends in those early, in those early years. That early year, really, because I was, that was intense. My approach was horrible. But I'm like, if Jesus came today, now I don't do that. Because I've learned, right, the Bible says that it is God's kindness that leads us to repentance. That the Lord is infinitely patient and kind. And sometimes I've erred on the other side, which is waiting too darn long to share the gospel with someone. And so I've been on both ends of the spectrum. But I started doing some ministry. I started um, reaching out uh, to, to an impoverished community. I mean, even my community that was poor, even poorer than that. Right in my backyard, literally in my backyard, there was a Home Depot um, with, where day laborers, uh, would come out there every day and um, wait to get uh, work for the day. Um, had compassion. I couldn't walk past them. I needed to serve them somehow. So the church agreed to give some kid, you know, a bunch of bread and uh, tracks. In those days, they had tracks. And I just would, you know, Dunkin' Donuts. I would go to Dunkin' Donuts so often that they didn't charge me tax. That was like their thing. Or, or my introduction to the you know, um, nonprofit sector, you know, at Dunkin' Donuts. Um, and I saw some success. Uh, my church was big, probably about a, a thousand members. And I would ask the deacons, we had deacons and, um, and, and ushers, and I would say, you know what, leave two of the front rows open for me. And I would fill the two front rows with people I would, that, you know, I promised them and uh, I said to them, if you come to church with me, I will give you breakfast. And I would tell people, You'll, I'll give you breakfast. And dudes were hungry, so they came. And, I, you know, and they had, you know, there were painters and plumbers and, uh, you know, masons by trade. None of them had degrees and grass stains all over the place. And they would, in our church, it was like a prim and proper. You wore a suit, you know, none of this sandals stuff, you know. Uh, I'm wearing sandals for the people listening online. And uh, it was just almost weird and a spectacle, but there were some results. People were coming to know the Lord, and then I really felt like the Lord said, you, you need to go and study a little bit more. 
need to go get yourself prepared. And uh, long story short, I ended up at Nyack College just by God's provision. Um, I, I didn't know how to fill out a FAFSA form. Uh, I still owe them tons of money. I wouldn't trade it for the world, though. I met my wife now. I have my beautiful girls and Noah. After I got accepted, my mom didn't think that I would go because that was sleepaway college. You know, I went to the community college, and then I drove to York College, not the PA York College, the one in Queens, right in uh, 50 Cents Hood, uh, South Jamaica. And, uh, you know, my mom said to me, Luis, like, you know, eventually I told her I was going to go to study ministry. And my mom said, Luis, you don't need to go to college to study the Bible. I'm like, dang, mom used to pray for me, anoint me when I came home drunk and high while I was sleeping. And now I've made a decision, and some of you have met my mom. My mom's really intense, and she loves the Lord. I've said this many times. She's probably led more people to the Lord on the bus than a lot of pastors have from the pulpit. And that's not an exaggeration. That's, that's, uh, if you know my mom, that's, that's true. And she said, you don't need to go to Bible college to study the Bible. And that just took straight up winds right out of my sail. I felt like God had called me to this, that he had opened this door. And to me, that proves this point that many times the enemy will even use those closest to us to discourage us. I don't know where you're at, and I'm not even going to try to get through the rest of this. But maybe somebody needed to hear that word. And you know what? I could, I could hold that grudge against my mom. Or I could operate understanding that she did not hear what I heard. She did not receive the call that I received. And then I can choose to have grace for her instead of holding that against her. Amen? Some of you have heard the call. Some of you have received the vision. But there's people in your camps that are discouraging you. That's normal. Again, they have not heard the call. They have not received the vision that you receive. And if God calls you to it, he's going to see you through it. And, if, and Mike Plunkett, my old pastor, said, if he gives you a vision, he's going to give provision. The people closest to us can get in our heads like nobody else can. Right? They can make you start doubting. They know what to say. They said, well, that didn't work last time you said that God told you. I'm sorry, I made a mistake. And that's when it takes humility on our part. And that's why it's important for us not to go yapping, saying God said this and God said that. Sit your butt down, pray and fast for a long time. And even then, and we'll talk about this next week, if I don't get to some of this stuff, is protecting the vision that God has given us. You don't go around sharing your vision with just anybody. 
going to leave you guys right there, part two next week. Amen? Stand up, and I'll pray. Can you help me, Court? Just, I'm just going to pray. Just help me a little bit. Can any, does, did any of this connect with anybody this morning? Yeah? Did any of this connect with anybody? All right. All right. I just want to make sure, I mean, uh, amen? So we can choose to operate like the people of Judah under the spirit of self-preservation with the underlying spirit of fear, or we can say, you know what, I ain't got this. But God got this and uh, and operate under the spirit of self-denial and say, you know what, I will trust and hope. I will trust and love. And I will trust that God is the grantor of my peace. Amen? Let's have two or three of you pray, maybe four, and just respond to this message somehow. The Lord, I sense, is, is burning some of you guys. And today, some of you, he stretched and grew some spiritual muscles. And it hurts right now, but it's good. So let's respond, two or three of us maybe. Respond.
person. Just pray out to God. He wants to hear it. He might bless someone else. placed by some of the people that I love the most that has kept me from fulfilling my full potential in you. Lord, I release. Help me to release those people. In Jesus' name. of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he would send you. May he guide you through the wilderness and keep you through the storm. And may he bring you home rejoicing once again to this home. Once again into these doors. Go out there. Get him. Fight. Dust off your armor this week. Believe again. Have faith that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen? Amen. God bless you guys.